Hi folks, welcome to another edition of Gold Bazan. This is Pasha Hajion speaking and it's an absolute honor for us to announce today that we'll be interviewing Jordi Cruyff, the son of the legendary iconic figure, Johan Cruyff, which he was a pioneer for total football. It was an absolute honor for us to speak to Jordi about Group B, about his work right now in the Middle East, what he thinks about Carlos Kairos, and our two key players, Esan Ahad Safi and Masada Sujay, those two figures in our reigning national team played against Jordi's side in the Europa League. And we hope you guys enjoyed this latest episode of Gold Bazan. Right now, joined by Jordi Croy. Jordi, it's an absolute honor to have you on. Hope you're having a great day. How you doing? Hi. Um, very good, actually. Um, you know, working a lot. Coaching is a different job than before when I was a sport director. So, uh, yeah, learning and uh, trying to improve every day. Jordi, you just spoke about your sporting director role, and now you're the head coach of this club in the Middle East, and you have a phenomenal track record as a player, you know, working, playing for teams such as Manchester United and FC Barcelona. Why was it that you saw the Middle East as your next destination to work with, and what made you specifically interested in working in the Middle East? Well, I actually I played, like, stopping um, playing football at the age of, I think it was around 35-ish. And uh, I decided to go straight on to a different kind of job uh, just a few months after I found myself before a group, a little bit as a sport director. And there were a whole new squad, new coaching staff, everything. And uh, that was in Cyprus, which, uh, you know, is the closest European country you can get to the Middle East, I would say. So I spent there two years and then the club came and uh, basically bought me out of there. And uh, since then, I've been working here and I actually do like... Uh, the mentality here. Uh, I seem to like not easy uh, places and situations, but uh, so far I've, I've had a lot of pleasure out of it. Jordi, the next question I have for you as a coach now and as a former player, what, what do you make out of you know Middle Eastern football and Asian football? Um, some differences or similarities that you've seen between that and European football? Because it's just a region that not many folks are very familiar with, you know, and just to various different reasons. Well, I think uh, the main, I would say the main difference really comes uh, from the education, uh, you know, differences in education in the, in the youth academies. Um, you know, it's more kind of, uh, you know, talent with the ball, these things, but football nowadays, uh, you know, you need to combine when you have the ball and you need to be good in that, but also when you don't have the ball, you also need to be, you know, good at that to know what to do when you don't have the ball, which obviously has a tactical component. So I think the main difference is that in, in you know players active in the Middle East they they love to show their qualities with the ball but sometimes you know they forget the other part the physical part the suffering part in which you have to do things without a ball and you have to run behind the opponent you have to defend you have to be strong you have to follow the tactical instructions of your coach so there's a lot of things that uh, that are a bit different but I think it starts with youth academy basically that's where you you know learn these things and when you're already in your 20s it's sometimes a little bit too late to change your pattern of play and to learn these things. Jordi this podcast is dedicated to Iranian football and Asian football as a whole and we just wanted to get your general thoughts on what do you think about the Asian teams competing in the World Cup this year? <laughs> well I think uh, you know they always have some a bit of a mystery because you never really know what to expect uh, you know like I, I don't know many uh, Iranian players I don't know many I would say you know uh, 
maybe Japanese or Korean mm -hmm. players. I mean, Japanese, they have been coming to to Europe lately, so there's a few that, that have been making their marks in European football. You know, then you have the like a team from Tunisia that I also you know, I know some names, but most not. Morocco is different because 80% of their national team actually plays already abroad, many of them in Holland, Belgium, these countries. So they're a bit less surprised, but I think, you know, European teams don't really know what to expect from uh, Asian teams. You know, you don't really know what it's going to be. I think that could be an advantage for uh, for these kind of uh, national national teams because they, you know, when people don't know what to expect, or they take you super serious, or they think it's you know it's a winnable game, and that's where you need to take advantage of it. Coach, uh, a few months ago, obviously your club uh, played a fantastic performance against a Greek club, Paninios. Uh, we have two of our superstars actually. Coach, your side played against a Greek club, Paninios, which two of our Iranian superstars that played for the Iranian national team, Esanahaytsevi and Masudushujayi, played for them. What do you make out of these players? Well, I I didn't really manage uh, you know 100% to speak to them. Mm -hmm. um, just I do think it's important that, uh, you know, sport is something that uh, that is capable of doing things that politics have never been capable of. You know, mm -hmm. Sports unites people, uh, colors, religion, uh, height, uh, strength, weakness. Uh, you know, we don't look at that in sports. We only look at performance. And as I said before, uh, sports is there to unite people and not to separate. And I, I felt that I understood and I felt that we're in a very difficult situation. Um, because really, you know, we, we already know what, uh, and uh, it was a very difficult situation for the players, but uh, I can only say that, yes, they, you know, the UEFA imposed a certain kind of fair play uh, attitude on the pitch, and, uh, and I think they showed that, uh, and when the game started, they didn't give 100%, they gave 200%, you know, you could really see that there was a, a special thing for them, yeah, and the, the problem is when you sign for a club uh, like Panionios who play Europe and, uh, you know, they dream about qualifying the group stage and they invested in two players that are key players for them because they really are key players for them, you know, then it's difficult for that club to accept that, you know, due to political reasons, they're not going to play. And you're saying, yeah, but I paying your salary. I put a lot of my budget in this Europe League yeah. and you're not playing. It's a very difficult situation. We had a few years ago, actually, the example of uh, Mo Salah, mm -hmm. who now is, uh, I think, is at uh, Liverpool, if not wrong. He yes. was in Basel with another Egyptian player. And uh, there was also an issue there when we played Basel that they didn't want to play. And uh, in the end, they ended up playing because, you know, Basel had a very small result in the in the first game so it was only one nil so they said listen we you know you're our best players we need you guys to uh, you know to do well in the end they you know Mo Salah absolutely uh, you know he sort of eliminated his, uh, us almost on himself I mean he, he was outstanding that game but the biggest surprise was when he was on the field and he heard a few of our Arab players speaking Arabic mm -hmm. and his eyes went open and he didn't understand what was going on and the truth is uh, you know even in the national team Israel there's uh, Arabic and there's Muslim players there's Christian Arabs and there's all a mix as I said before Sport uh, is here to unite and not to judge people on uh, on their looks or, or beliefs or religion. Uh, we play for a ball and we compete with each other. We fight strong during the game, but after the game it's finished and, uh, you know, and that's it. And that's when we part ways. And looking at Group B, unfortunately Iran is in that group. Jordi, according to FIFA rankings, according to World Rankings, Jordi, Group B is supposedly the hardest group. 
countries such as Iran, Morocco, Spain, and Portugal all will be playing against one another in this group. We just wanted to get your general thoughts on Group B. Yeah, I think basically Iran is a bit of the mysterious one. Uh, there's, you know, there's not so many of them playing in Europe. Probably there is, but they're not really like so uh, on the spotlight uh, sometimes. So I think that's a surprise factor that could be that could be in their favor, and uh, they should use it in their favor. Morocco again, maybe for Spanish or Portuguese people, it's not a such a known national team. Also, but uh, you know, there is a lot of Moroccans playing in France, in Belgium, in Holland. Um, so they are well known, and I think Spain and Portugal—they're always going to be, uh, in a way, uh, they're always going to be um, kind of the favorites. I mean, if you see the leagues, uh, you see the players that play for Portugal and for Spain. Uh, you know, you would always think that they're going to be the ones making the surprise. Uh, you know, Morocco obviously is an African team, but uh, as I said before, a lot of players based in Europe, and I think uh, Iran has that kind of. That kind of difference that we don't really know, um, you know, we don't really know what to expect. That's something Iran has to play in their favor. Very last question we have here, and thank you again for your time. Is that I don't know how familiar you are with um, Carlos Karic's work, um, even with Iran, or maybe even as a coach. Um, is there anything general thoughts you just want to speak about him? Well, I think he's uh, he's done a good job. Uh, obviously, I heard many things about mm-hmm. him when he was uh, assisting uh, Alex Ferguson, but also on yes. himself, he's done uh, some big clubs. Um, you know, Portuguese are people who adapt themselves well, who are very organized in terms of tactics and, uh, you know, the defense is always well organized. They play for results and I think he's done a very good job, obviously, to qualify. And I'm sure that he also now will be very demanding to his federation, to the players, to everybody, because he knows that, you know, the World Cup is a big stage and you need to be very well prepared to do a good job. And if you come unprepared, then you're home after 10 days. So I, I think he really wants to make kind of a, a positive impact. And that's why now I'm sure he's asking all kinds of things just to get the best results possible. Jordi, thank you so much for your time. I know you have a flight tomorrow. Um, big, important match happening for you. Best of luck with that. And our final last question is, do you see Spain winning the World Cup this summer, my friend? I think they... You know they have all the ingredients. I would think that uh, I think they will have a have a, a good chance to at least be you know one of the three four favorites. Uh, they have good play, massive players playing in the biggest clubs in the world. Uh, they've got experience as a national team. They've been winning uh, titles in the last 10, 12 years. Uh, the youth is very good, so I think they're on the right track. And for sure, together with the usual suspects, you know, the Brazils, the Argentina, the, the, the Germany probably, I mean, they're always going to be a group of five, six countries that have a big chance to win this World Cup. Jordi Cruyff, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Hope you guys liked our interview with Jordi Cruyff. It's an, it was an absolute honor to have him on. Folks, as you know, Gold Bazan Podcast is trying to do its best to spread the word around about Iranian football, uh, spread more awareness of the football outside of the country. And folks such as IranSportPress.com have been really helping us to spread that word, so we just want to give a special shout-out to them. Definitely check their out, their website out, IranSportPress.com. And also, there's a quite uh, famous Instagram account called Viva Iran, and they've recently have been wanting to collaborate with us as they've realized our work, and we appreciate the work they do to spread the word about Iranian football. So definitely check out Viva Iran on Instagram and IranSportPress. And as always... 
And if, if anybody that is listening to this, whether you're a reporter or a journalist, I would like to get in contact with us. The emails of all the directors are up on the website at goldbazanpodcast.com. However, if you just wanted to send out a general email to us, our email is at mail at goldbazanpodcast.com. If there's any concerns or anything, please find us on Twitter at goldbazan. Our Facebook is goldbazan as well. Appreciate it, guys. The support as always. And thank you for listening to this latest episode.